Hey, this is Jeremy McCrory, and this is the Run for Jesus podcast, a ministry podcast that will help you run the race of faith in your Christian life like never before. This evening, we're going to look at Jesus' light of the world. We're going to be in John chapter 8, starting in verse 12. So if you'll grab your copy of God's Word, John chapter 8, starting in verse 12, it's where we will we'll end up on this day. See, I believe that Jesus is the light that the darkness runs from. So if the world is in darkness and the world is in sin, then it makes sense. If Jesus is that light of the world, then it makes sense that we need to follow him. If light is brought into a dark area, then it illuminates the room. So John chapter 8, verse 12 says this. It says, Then Jesus again spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in the darkness, but will have the light of life. The light of life. That means salvation through Jesus and Jesus alone. Darkness happens because of sinfulness, because of worldliness, because of flesh living in this world. And so he who walks in me, meaning walking in that light, will have his light within them and have his power and his spirit within them. So the Pharisees, we learn in this passage, just like many others, the Pharisees always believed Jesus was not telling the truth. They didn't go so far to say that he lied, but they did say that he was, a lot of times they would say he's blasphemous. So uh, so the Pharisees in John chapter 8 believed that Jesus was lying. So in verse 13 of John chapter 8, it says, So the Pharisees said to him, You are testifying about yourself. Your testimony is not true. So they still believe that Jesus did a lot of good things, but he wasn't the promised Messiah. They had so many viewpoints on what the Messiah was going to look like, how he was going to come, that he was going to be this military conqueror that was going to deliver them from the Romans and the oppression that was around them. There were so many different things that were around, even though Jesus came to redeem them and release them from their sins if they were to trust in him. So they believed, the Pharisees believed that he was not telling the truth. And so... I have to believe that they chose to be clueless about who Jesus really was. They had a certain set of ideals of what they were looking for or what they believed him to be. And so they were always challenging him at every corner that he stood and talked about the word. So it says in verse 14, it says, Jesus answered and said to them, Even if I testify about myself, my testimony is true. For I know where I came from and where I'm going, but you do not know where I came from or where I'm going. What's he talking about there? He's talking about the fact that, yes, he was the Son of God sent from God, that he has existed for all time in all places, and his testimony is true. Who knows more than he does? These men felt like they knew him because he was man, but they missed the divine part, right? They missed who Jesus was as a Savior and Lord because what they saw was the man before them instead of the Savior that he was. He knows all things. And here's what we learn about the Pharisees. The Pharisees, those guys wanted control, didn't they? 
They wanted power. They wanted to have the first and the last word when it came to religious activity. And the word was they were in control. Nobody else was. They advised the Romans. They did all of these things. So they felt like they were in this elite status. So they wanted all the power and the control. And John 8.15 says this. It's continuing the conversation with Jesus. says, you judge according to the flesh. I'm not judging anyone. So we know that Jesus has the only means of judging us, right? Because he knows the beginning and the end. He knows all the in-between matter. He knows our heart when others don't. And so he comes in. He says this in verse 16. But even if I do judge, my judgment is true. For I am not alone in it, but I am the Father who sent me. So what does that make his words? What does that make his judgments credible, right? Because in the beginning, God created all of these things. Jesus was there amidst all of the creation story. Jesus was there. So the Father sent him to earth is what he's talking about in that passage. But even if he judges, his justice is true. In other words... He knows, and he's speaking to that fact. So it's credibility that's in this. In their society, they had what was called an honor and shame society. If you were an honorable person or deemed an honorable person, and you were upstanding and well-known in that way, then you could stand in the public forum and they would listen to you. In other words, they believed that you had the wisdom and the knowledge and the, the ability to speak, and they would follow and listen behind it. That's why a lot of times they identify him as a holy man to give him that credibility. But if you were in a sense of shame, which they were trying to do, then no one would listen. You'd be discredited at every turn, and they would just continue to put him down. They didn't believe, the Pharisees didn't believe that he was credible, nor did they believe he was from God. So essentially, they missed Jesus in that respect, or they chose not to believe in him. Verse 19 and 20, so they were saying to him, where is your father? Jesus answered. See, I believe that they were looking for Joseph, right? I think they were looking for Joseph. Where is your father? Where's Joseph? Where's your mother? Where's your mother? You know, they were pointing to all these people, but they were saying that to him. And he said, you know Neither me nor my father, because if you knew me, you would know my father also. Scripture tells us so many times, right, that if you know Jesus, you know God. That you can't know God without knowing Jesus, because that is our introduction, because of what Jesus has done on our behalf. In our sin, we could not make that happen, but because, because of the sacrifice of Christ, that that was all possible. And so he's telling them here, he's saying, you don't know me, you don't know God. Imagine that being said to those people who are supposed to know everything, right? They had studied the scriptures. They had a copy of the word and the scrolls and the things that were there and pertinent to religious. And a lot of people didn't have those, right? Because during that time, the priest told them what it said, right? They would read to them what it said. They had the copies in their hand. And so they would read what was said there. And so they didn't, they didn't believe he was that. But these, were, these words, verse 20 says, that he spoke in the treasury as he taught in the temple. And no one seized him because his hour had not yet come. See, we know over and over again, Jesus had a plan. He had a trajectory. 
Jesus was coming to die for you and for me. He knew. He knew those things were having to happen and it had not reached that point yet. So Jesus explains the result of their unbelief. And here's the reality behind all of this. There's a lot of critics and skeptics and people that like to just talk about the credibility of the Bible, or the credibility of the Word of God, or the credibility, and they go into all of these things. There's a worldly nature about things going on today with values and morals and everything else. But there is a result. There is a consequence for those who choose not to believe in Him. So he explains to the Pharisees, which is directly who he's talking to here, he says again to them, I go away and you will seek me and you will die in your sin because where I'm going, you cannot come. Why can't they come where he's going? Because they're not saved. They don't know. They don't know Jesus. So they don't know God. So they can't go where he's going. And so he's talking about the fact that he's not going to be here forever in that human form. He's not going to be there forever. So the Jews were saying to him, surely he will not kill himself, will he? Since he says, where I'm going, you cannot come. And as he was saying to them, you are from below. I am from above. You are out. You are of this world. I am not of this world. If you've ever studied their map system, especially in the Old Testament and the New, it looked like a round kind of like this earth is. And so the map system had a line going across representing the land. And so the bottom half would have been Sheol or would have been hell as we know it. And so everything up here would have been the heavens. So on land, as they looked up, they looked to the heavens. So when they say under the ground, they were talking about effectually, they were talking about Sheol or hell or punishment for disbelief. And so... He was trying to help them understand that they couldn't go where they were from and what was ahead of them. Their condemnation was ahead of them because they were choosing not to believe. And so therefore, verse 24, I said to you, you will die in your sins for unless you believe that I am he, capital H, you will die in your sins. What is he trying to tell them? Look, if you don't turn around, if you don't make a decision to believe and trust in me. If you don't repent and you don't ask for forgiveness, you are going to be under the ground. You're going to go to a place of torment and pain forever. And that is going to be your destination. So the things that he said didn't seem to get through to them. Have you ever talked to somebody who had it all figured out? Anybody ever run into somebody like that? Maybe a coworker, maybe a friend, They had it all figured out. They might even ask you. They might say to you, hey, do you think... And they've already figured it out. And so they try to talk over you. I think that these are kind of what these people were. They were asking Jesus, but they were really not asking Him. So they didn't realize who He really was or what would be coming to them. And so verse 25 says this, So they were saying to Him, Who are you? Jesus said to them, 
What have I been saying to you from the beginning? In other words, he was saying, are you that thick headed? You don't hear and see the things that I've been doing and the God that I've been proclaiming. And you can't follow the words that I'm saying to you and the actions behind those words. Why don't you believe what I've been telling you? In verse 26 says, I have many things to speak and to judge concerning you. But he who sent me is true. And the things which I have heard from him, these things I speak to the world. So how did he hear from the Father? He spent a lot of time in prayer, didn't he? He spent a lot of time moving away and retreating and going into prayer because he had to cut the distractions out. Because everybody was always clamoring for attention. Everybody was always coming to him for needs. Everybody was always there waiting for him to do a a next speech from this mountain or that place. And they were coming to him. So he would retreat so that he and the father could be on the same page and that the father could lead him in the direction that was to come next. He's saying essentially to the Pharisees, God did all of this. God did all of this. So John eight twenty seven says they did not realize that he'd been speaking to them about the father, meaning God. So Jesus said, When you lift up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am He, and I do nothing on my own initiative, but I speak these things as the Father taught me. And He who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do the things which are pleasing to Him. As He spoke these things, many came to believe in Him. So while the Pharisees were there, while the others were there, there were many in attendance. They were seeing what was happening as Jesus was challenging these religious leaders with the word of God and with the authority of God. And they were coming to believe. So while the Pharisees believed they had this power that was due to them, others were hearing and having their their questions answered and they were believing more and more. These numbers more and more were growing. So what... if, if we're to talk about this in a sense this important to us, what makes Jesus so unbelievable? What makes him so unbelievable? It's hard to understand how someone could do the things that he did, right? Could come as he did. But if we are ones who read the Old Testament, then we see that there are clues all along the way. See, we are fortunate to have all the bits and pieces that we need to put it together, right? Because... Previous generations had this book or that book or this thing or that thing, but there very well could have been all kinds of background that were there. But what makes him so credible? I think it's because everything that he says rests upon the relationship he has with the Father, rests upon the words of Scripture and he speaks those. I, I think back to the fact when he was tempted in the de- by the devil in the wilderness. He responded with scriptures, right? He didn't say, well, let me think about this and let me go ask a bunch of people. He said, the word says this. God says this. And this was combating what the devil was trying to get him to do. So the word of God is powerful in that sense. So he's credible because... He fits what the word said he would be. And he came not as a military guy, not as a person to overthrow the Romans in that sense. He came to redeem humanity for their sins. 
And so he brought them a different kind of freedom through forgiveness and remission of sins. But I think if we're really to take an account of this, and this is one of those one of those statements that that kind of hits a big audience, but that you know we're more like the Pharisees a lot of times than we allow ourselves to think we are. A lot of times we we wouldn't admit that we have that own idea of things. You know, I, I've came across people and and they told me to my face, I don't sin anymore. They don't sin anymore. I said. I said, do you read what I read? I said, yes, it says go and sin no more, but it also says that Jesus was the one that was perfect. And then I ran across people that said, I've been reading my Bible for 40 or 50 years. There's nothing in there that I don't know. And I'm like, be careful with that because every time I read it, I learn something else. Every time I read it, God speaks to me. So there's never a point where I've reached that I'm good point that I don't need the word of God every day. But there's also a lot of times where we make it about religious practice. And it's not about religious practice. It's about the Word of God and the leadership of God. So we see the Pharisees and and we see that we are like them a lot of times more than we admit. But we also see in Jesus, God God directed His actions. Who should direct our actions? The Holy Spirit, right? Wherever we go... The Holy Spirit should be the initiator of that direction and should tell us where to go because we know if we go where He says to go, He's going to equip us, right? You ever gotten to a job site, Buster, and you didn't have all the things you needed? And you had to make 50 trips back? You know, thankfully God's not like that. If He sends us to go to a people group, a place, or to go share the gospel, we've got all we need because God's right there with us. And we have all of the things that we are able and equipped to do. A lot of times people say, well, I could never do that. The reality is God is doing it in you. He just wants us to be obedient to the calling. So he directs our actions or should direct our actions. Fourthly, the question that came out of Jesus lighted the world as we looked at on this evening in John chapter 8 is... What will it take to wake folks up before it's too late? You and I can stand on any corner in any city and preach the Word of God, and there are people that need to hear it there. But what's it going to take for those people who hear the Word of God or see us proclaiming the Word of God, what's it going to take for them to wake up? What's it going to take for them to have their questions answered? What's it going to take for them to believe? It's getting late in the day, so to speak, in this world. There are a lot of things that are happening and occurring which point to the end of times. But the reality is none of us know that time. I don't know when he's coming back. I have to think that if we knew when he was coming back, we'd be more urgent in our sharing of our faith and going and telling the good news. But also, if we all knew when he was coming back, there might be an urgency on their behalf to really think about it. Because the world believes they got tomorrow, and you and I know that might not happen. Jesus says nobody knows but the Father. That's right. What will it take to wake folks up before it's too late? And then lastly, all of what we do and say represents our faith in God. I wonder if we represent Him as closely as we ought to. You know, a lot of times 
people say, well, you go to so-and-so church. You go to that. You do that. You believe in that. But do we represent Him as we ought to? Do we live like we ought to? Do we treat others the way they need to be treated? Are we sharing of our faith and serving others and listening to folks? Sometimes we find out a lot by listening. You ever come at somebody and you think you've got it all figured out? And then they tell you something you didn't know? You know, it's that kind of thing. So let's, let's pray for those that are searching for the light of the world. And then we're going to look at our prayer sheet. Father God, we thank you for this day. Father God, we thank you for what you do in our hearts and lives, God. When we listen to you, God, you take our mere small bit of faith. And God, you take that mustard seed and you grow it. So God, I pray, God, as we have questions and it happens, God, that we seek you as the reason and the source and the means of forgiveness, Father God. God, we pray that if you lead us in a direction, God, we go in that direction. Not because we have all the power and the answers, but because you have all the power and the answers. And wherever you lead us, you equip us to go. So God, God, we thank you for never giving up on us, for offering us forgiveness and giving us a tomorrow, God, that we can do better than we did today. And God, I just pray that we do all these things in your name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Run for Jesus podcast with Jeremy McCrory. Tune in next time for more relevant sermons and ministry helps to help you run the race of faith in your Christian life like never before. Thank you.